Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Wednesday, February 28, 2024, and you're listening to Alex's News. Turning to today's weather, Riverside is expecting a pleasant day with a high of 71.8 degrees and a cozy low of 50.6 as we wrap up the month of February. In our lineup of news stories, we have the latest from the World Health Organization as they release crucial updates on COVID-19 and emerging variants. We'll delve into what this means for global health practices and your day-to-day life. In tech news, the unexpected has occurred. Apple has pulled the plug on its much-anticipated electric car project, dubbed Project Titan. We will explore the implications of this decision and discuss how it could reshape the future of autonomous driving technology. Lastly, we've got an interesting development in the fast food arena. Wendy's is currently toying with the idea of surge pricing. We'll break down what this strategy could entail and how it could potentially transform the fast food industry as we know it. Stay tuned as we bring you these stories and more on Alex's News. Turning to our top story of the day, the ongoing battle against COVID-19. We've come a long way, but the World Health Organization continues to provide us with essential updates on the situation. Joining me now is our health correspondent, Ethan. Ethan, can you give us the current state of play according to the WHO? Absolutely, Grace. The WHO is still closely monitoring the coronavirus pandemic, even though many areas have seen improvements. Most people tend to have mild to moderate respiratory symptoms and recover without requiring special treatment. But the risk remains high for those with underlying health conditions and the elderly. We're all familiar with the common recommendations. Masks, handwashing, vaccinations. Is there anything new on that front? Or does the message remain the same? The message is consistent, Grace. Maintaining physical distance, wearing masks, and good hand hygiene are still the pillars of prevention. Vaccinations are ongoing, and the WHO urges everyone to follow their local vaccination guidelines to help curb the spread. Speaking of spread, how does the WHO say the virus is being transmitted currently, and are there new concerns about different variants? The virus primarily spreads through respiratory droplets, grace, which is why those preventive measures are so important. As for variants, the WHO categorizes them as variants of interest or variants of concern based on their transmissibility and the threat they pose to public health. Right now, there have been no new variants of concern classified, but the organization is vigilant, continually evaluating any emerging variants for significant changes. The situation is so complex. Beyond just tracking the variants and cases, how is the WHO addressing the broader impact of the pandemic? It's true. The scope of their work is vast. They're not only tracking the variants in cases but also advocating for fair and equitable responses to the pandemic, like ensuring the health of refugees and migrants. They're addressing the impacts on healthcare systems, providing training materials for vaccine handling, and so much more. The WHO aims to keep the world informed and prepared. And information is power. They have a wealth of resources, right? What sort of materials are they offering to the public? They do. Grace, from fact sheets, multimedia, and extensive publications to an online dashboard showing global cases. These resources cover everything, symptoms, vaccines, infection control, and they're engaging the public through events, webinars, and various educational materials, customized with regional information for different parts of the world. Ethan, before we move on, 
Could you speculate on any possible future implications or consequences based on the WHO's current findings? Looking ahead, Grace, the key consequence is whether people stay informed and adhere to guidelines. If we do, we could continue to see a decline in cases and a return to normalcy. But if variants emerge that significantly evade immunity or prove to be more virulent, we may face renewed challenges. The WHO's role in coordinating a global response will be critical. Ethan, thanks for breaking all of that down for us. It's clear we still need to be cautious and stay informed. Absolutely, my pleasure, Grace. It's important to stay updated through reliable sources like the WHO. We're turning our attention now to an unexpected update from the tech world. Apple has reportedly pulled the plug on its highly anticipated electric car project. For more on this major pivot, we're joined by Chloe, who has been following the story closely. Chloe, what can you tell us about what's happened with Project Titan? Well Grace, after a massive investment of time and money amounting to 10 years and billions of dollars, Apple is shutting down Project Titan, that was their codename for the electric car project. NPR and Bloomberg have covered this and it's quite shocking news, not just for the thousands of employees working on it, but for the entire industry. That's a huge development, Chloe. Could you dive into why Apple has decided to cancel this project? Absolutely, Grace. It appears that a variety of reasons are at play. Firstly, the realities of the automobile industry are notoriously complex and offer thinner profit margins than what Apple usually aims for. Not to mention, the company faced significant competition and experienced notable struggles with developing self-driving technology. Plus, the electric vehicle market is slowing down, which might have influenced Apple's decision. So with all these factors, do we have any insight into what's going to happen to the employees who are working on the project? That's part of the uncertainty caused by this surprise cancellation. We know some may be reassigned to work on AI and autonomous driving systems since Apple is not abandoning this technology entirely but shifting to a more software-focused strategy. Sadly, others might be facing layoffs, which is always difficult news. Looking ahead, what could this mean for the future of autonomous driving technology and the industry as a whole? While Apple's exit from building an entire vehicle will relieve some immediate pressures on the industry, it could slow down the broader advancement of self-driving technology. However, Apple still plans to stay in the game by developing partially autonomous driving systems, eyeing a launch by 2026. This places them among giants like Tesla and GM, which could ramp up competition and potentially lead to greater innovation and more robust customer expectations for assisted driving features. Now, Apple is known for its emphasis on user privacy. Will shifting to partial autonomy change how they handle data collection? For sure, Grace, Apple's focus has always been on blending innovation with privacy. As they pivot towards partial autonomy, it will be a real balancing act to collect enough data to improve the technology while maintaining the privacy standards they're known for. And I suppose their renowned reputation for innovation could play a role in how they influence the automotive industry moving forward? Exactly. Apple has a history of disrupting industries and, even with this shift, their influence remains. As they venture into in-vehicle systems, we could see a stronger blend of tech and automotive expertise. Their involvement could signal a change in market dynamics, pushing for advanced connectivity features and entertainment systems, which is where their software prowess can really shine. It's certainly a story we'll continue to watch closely. Thanks so much for bringing us the details, Chloe. You're welcome, Grace. It will be intriguing to see how Apple's strategy unfolds in the months to come.
Here are some other headlines. In the Michigan primaries, President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump have clinched victories in their respective party races. Biden's win was marked by a significant protest vote with a surge of uncommitted ballots, indicating dissatisfaction from some Democratic voters, particularly the Arab American community. Trump, despite a strong lead, faced resistance from some Republicans who favored Nikki Haley. In the Republican field, Trump, with little recent polling, maintained a substantial lead over Haley in the Michigan contest. The Republican National Committee's rules have allowed only 16 of Michigan's 55 delegates to be immediately assigned, with the rest pending a decision at a state party convention amidst party division. Longshot GOP candidate Ryan Binkley suspended his campaign and endorsed Trump. For the Democrats, Biden's victory was shadowed by over 100,000 feet uncommitted votes, spurred by the state's Arab-American community and progressive Democrats. This movement was promoted by ceasefire activist groups and backed by Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, while Governor Gretchen Whitmer did not publicly support it. There are pending assignments for the remaining Democratic delegates that hinge on party leadership resolutions. The crucial swing state of Michigan's outcomes signaled that both Trump and Biden need to focus on unifying their parties and addressing the concerns that arose during the primaries. The Associated Press called Biden the winner of Michigan's Democratic primary at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on February 28, 2024, after securing a significant portion of the vote. Turning to environmental news, Texas is currently grappling with multiple wildfires. The Pantex plant, a nuclear weapons facility, paused operations due to wildfire threats, and the Texas A&M Forest Service has raised its wildfire preparedness level. Governor Greg Abbott has declared a wildfire disaster in a majority of Texas counties. This situation has called for voluntary aid from outside the state to help combat the blazes. Turning to our third story of the morning, we have something that might make your next fast food run a bit more costly during lunchtime. Wendy's, a major player in the burger game, is reportedly considering dynamic pricing for their menu items. To delve deeper into this, we have our own Ethan, a correspondent who's been following the developments closely. Ethan, can you give us an introduction to what Wendy's is proposing? Absolutely, Grace. So, Wendy's is looking to shake up how they price their menu items. What they're talking about is not exactly surge pricing, as people might know from Uber or Lyft, but a form of dynamic pricing. They're planning to install high-tech digital menu boards that can update prices in real-time, potentially charging more during peak hours for favorites like the Baconator. Conversely, prices would drop during slower periods to attract more customers. Interesting strategy. What's the difference between surge pricing and this dynamic pricing Wendy's is referring to? Surge pricing. Grace is a term most people associate with rates skyrocketing during high demand. Think getting a ride on New Year's Eve. Dynamic pricing, which Wendy's CEO Kirk Tanner mentioned, adjusts prices, but not necessarily hiking them up in busy times. They're looking to balance demand throughout the day, but they've assured they have no plans to hit customers with higher prices just because it's busy. This could revolutionize the fast food industry, couldn't it? I mean, if Wendy succeeds, might we see McDonald's or Burger King follow suit? Absolutely. If this dynamic pricing model yields positive results for Wendy's, you can bet other chains will be watching closely. It has the potential to optimize revenue and manage demand for these companies.
If Wendy's can demonstrate an increase in profits and an enhanced customer experience, others will likely hop on the bandwagon. What about the potential downsides or challenges Wendy's might face with this kind of pricing? There are a few, for sure. Surge pricing can sometimes leave a sour taste with customers who view it as price gouging. Wendy's will have to consider customer perception very carefully. Then there's the competition. If only Wendy's adopts this and competitors don't, it might drive customers away. Not to mention, the costs associated with the technology needed to implement dynamic pricing. Plus, how consumers respond to this change is a big unknown. After all, flexibility in pricing can be beneficial, but only if it aligns with what customers are willing and happy to pay. Right, it's a fine line to walk. On a side note, what else is Wendy's planning to keep up their game? They're investing $20 million to bring these digital menu boards to all U.S. company-operated restaurants by 2025 for starters, and it's not just about pricing. The goal is to improve order accuracy and sales. They're also upping their breakfast advertising and testing new items, like these, saucy nuggets, I'm eager to try. AI is another big focus for them, looking to introduce suggestive selling to make the system more efficient and, hopefully for them, more profitable. It seems like the ultimate goal here is to find a sweet spot between making more money and keeping customers happy. Do you think Wendy's will be able to achieve that? That's the million-dollar question, Grace. They'll have to carefully test and assess how dynamic pricing affects both their revenue and their relationship with customers. It's a tricky balance, you want to maximize profits without alienating your customer base. If they get it right, it could indeed set a new standard across the fast food industry. It's definitely a story we'll keep our eyes on. Thanks so much for walking us through it, Ethan. Always a pleasure, Grace. Thank you. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4 Turbo. GPT-3.5 Turbo. The Perplexity API. And the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.